0: out there on Oilers Live tonight, bud. Trust the process, play the system. Keep that play moving, moving north. Coming Coming to you live on the Heavy 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 Hockey hockey Network. network. It's Mike Mike and Dash Dash with another Thursday Thursday night episode episode, Straight Straight Off the Pipe. Off to you guys. Game on! Game on! let's go hey brother it's uh episode 11 welcome to it we are uh, coming to you straight off the pipe we're uh, live in our new home on uh on the heavy hockey network uh with our help from the good man michael hebert from like oilers live i am um, excited for episode 11 it's a it's a bit of a new beginning it's our mark Messi episode um the guy in, in the box beside me is my co-host uh, I am Dash, uh, also known as Dash in the Park, and that guy right there is uh, the self-proclaimed left, lazy left winger, center kind of guy. So he's basically the Dustin Penner of podcasting. Mike Dursa.
1: Hey ref, how can you give me a penalty because my stick broke? That's a fucking joke. You call Buddy, that going some
0: pancakes?
1: They, you call that a penalty because my stick broke? How can yeah. you call? It? Anyways, come, it's the mark. Come talk mark. to me
0: at the IHOP.
1: It's, it's the Mark Messier edition of Straight Off the Pipe. <laughs> and, it. and if anybody's watched Boys on the Bus, they know exactly what I was just talking about. So uh, some interesting things going down um, that I'm, I'm right fired up about. I mean, I can't stand this organization anymore. I got I to say it. I'm like you. I'm pissed off. How can we go sign a defenseman for two years for under a million in that seven hole? What, what are we doing? The oil blowout. Here we go. What are, what are we doing? What is going on? Slater Cuckoo. Two years. How, what did he do to deserve two years? Two years. Sing into the choir. Preach, I'm brother. Just, preach. I'm just, you know, I'm so fired up over that. I I can't even sleep at night. I, you know, how how are you supposed to carry on when we're signing guys like that for two we're years? our team. Ruin our so, team. That's the end of it. I'm Honestly,
0: the cop's gone. Well, moving to Calgary no, and Joey's no driving the puck. Slater cuckoo. Two years. Who gives Slater cuckoo two years? <laughs> Wait, sorry. <laughs> Wait, this is a reenactment of Twitter these days, my bad. Sorry, uh, maybe you should go eat a Snickers, Durse.
1: Yeah, the, the fake outrage over everything is starting to Keeper's get a little o- overwhelming in
0: August. Poor, poor Slater's going to come to camp just feeling all beat up because he got a second year <laughs> Take a breath, buddy. <laughs> we we had all the leverage. <laughs> <laughs> all the clout, all the clout on Slater Cuckoo. Why couldn't uh, we just see what he did and re-sign him later?
1: <sighs> I mean if you yeah, were another,
0: if, another if you a, zone, eh?
1: If you weren't a fan of hockey and this was like the your first experience was today, and, and you know, you, you learned about what was going on today after, you know, this signing of Slater and you, you know, you talked to somebody that, that was a fan of hockey, but not, you know, the Edmonton Oilers and,
0: and asked them, why are they upset?
1: <laughs> Could you answer it?
0: I don't know. There's a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs joke in there somewhere, buddy, but I, I don't know where to find it. <laughs>
1: I see, I see what you're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, this is not how we expect to start this show, <laughs> you know. I but we, we came know. out hot, hot
1: right out of the gate. Why not? <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: is it hot in so, here? Oh, There's uh, just cell block 99.
1: <laughs> yeah, speaking of cell block 99, I'm back in the kind of the old stomping Gretzky uh, um, grounds, I guess you could say. Uh, it's not quite the same as it once was in the dungeon in the basement. I've moved upstairs, but <laughs> 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 we're 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 back in action. I guess uh, you know Michael's show on uh, Tuesday. There he had Tess Bennett on, and, and uh Tessa's you know a long time Detroit Red Wings fan, turned Oilers fan, turned Red Wings she fan when they got job. when they got Sam back. Um, but she's followed uh, Kenny Holland for you know quite some time pretty closely, and I guess uh, one of the things tonight, I guess, is uh, feeding, you know, going off of uh, that lead and and kind of putting our our spin on that. Um, I'll, I'll let you go first with what you think of kind of Ken Holland as this, you know, this is probably the first offseason that he's really got to put his stamp on the Edmonton Oilers, um, and we've seen Dave Tippett through a couple playoff runs. I'll, I'll let you go on what you think of, both of them and that that whole thing, and then I'll 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 go with my kind of spin on what I think. But uh, go ahead.
0: You, you know, d- dude, we've had like a ten episode rant on Ken Holland. At the end of the day, <laughs> we've been throwing high heat at his head, or at least I have. Um, you you said it. You nailed that it. it's it's his first off season to really put his his stamp on things, right? You know, he inherited a lot of uh, headaches from from uh, tire fire Pete, and uh, as a result um had to fix some things uh you know i remember his first press conference when he came in and and said that you know the first thing to do is to to get things fixed up a little bit uh change the culture then we need to become a consistent playoff team and then once we become a consistent playoff team we need to start winning stanley cups right and i i I see that I see the steps that are being taken from that you know if if those were his goals well we've, we've made the playoffs the last two years okay so I can't give him a failing grade. Uh, I, I think Ken Holland's got us to where we are to some extent, I think in the whole package of, uh, of, you know, riding Connor and Leon a little bit and and, and some of that, that, that comes along with it. Um, but being this the first time to put his stamp on it, I don't love the stamp he chose. You know, we've talked about that. I, I think that, you know, choosing guys like Keith and CC and um, some of this, uh, paying top dollar for intangible and, and really uh, being, being careless and, and a little bit knee jerk with some of his planning in the cap is not how I thought this was going to come. Uh, let's drop the buck and find out. And and we'll go from there. Um, I think he's making a lot of decisions based on influence from Dave Tippett. Um, the more I hear uh, Oilers live talk about that, the more I kind of, believe it and look into it. And I really think that they're just kind of making two man decisions and um, maybe right from the start had that plan. Uh, I heard Dave Tippett on a, on a podcast with Pierre Lebrun and it was uh, right after the Winnipeg series. So it was actually interesting to go back and listen to it kind of, you know, with 2020 vision, knowing what happened in the playoffs. And uh, you know, it was, it was along with his predictions of, how that next series was going to go with Montreal and Winnipeg. And, you know, he he had kind of almost talked like he just got run over by God, you know, like this is Winnipeg's going all the way, you know, what a great job by uh, Paul Maurice and, and Connor Hellebuck. And, and uh, you know, he kept talking about um, kind of referring back to when he was in his position at Seattle, right? He was his player personnel and management and, and for the Kraken before the Oilers hired him. And I almost wonder now, you know, seeing how a lot of this has happened, if this just hasn't been a management by committee between those two and, and they just kind of wear whatever name tag they want for coach and PM <laughs> as, as, a, as a bit of a courtesy.
1: Um, so I kind of look at, you know, Holland right now. I think he's done just about everything – he, he would want to do to this team other than change the goaltending, which I think should have been priority number one, and it wasn't. Um, but I but I think he's done just about everything you know a GM would want to do to a team in an off season. I mean, it was an active off season. Nobody can criticize and say he didn't do anything. He did a, he did a lot. Um, you can be critical of the moves. I think it's uh, you know pretty uh, early in the day to evaluate that because you don't know until they get on the ice, but. Um, So he's put a stamp on this team. Um, they say usually a, a GM gets two coaches. Dave Tippett is number one. If he cans him, I think he's got one more coach before he's shown the door. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen because if we're on to coach number two under G- Ken Holland and that doesn't pan out, I think that spells the end of Connor McDavid in in Edmonton potentially and that, that kind of idea before winning a Stanley cup, uh, scares the shit out of me, but it could be a reality. Um, and I don't want to be all doom and gloom cause that's not how I roll. Um, but the, like the way I see it with Tippett is he's had two playoff, um, appearances where basically he was in the driver's seat. You know, he wasn't the underdog in either series. I wouldn't think, um, especially against Chicago and, uh, that didn't work out, um, and against Winnipeg here, I think you know you you probably heard it on the radio if you listen to twelve sixty or even Stauffer will tell you that's uh, you know the probably the closest uh, sweep of a series that you've ever seen in your life in in hockey. Um, you know every game was close, um, and you know to Tippett's defense, although I don't want to although I don't want to do it because I don't think he's really earned it. Um, I think Winnipeg does get a little bit further if uh, Mark Shifley doesn't get suspended in the second, you know, in their second series. Um, but I mean, we'll never know the answer to that because he did get suspended and and they and they lost. So um, Hallibuck was on another level. I'll, I'll give him that, and I think Winnipeg had more depth than us. But you know, you're taking those games to overtime with the offensive weaponry that Edmonton has you got to find a way to win one of those games, at least one, you know, you, you had three chances at it. So, I mean, we can be critical of Mike Smith and and I have been thinking that he's not quite the guy to get us past a, a really clutch goaltender, but in a triple overtime game, you, you definitely had your chances to, to get one and and you didn't. So I, I start to come into question with the, the, um, tac- tactical part of the game, you know, um, you, a good coach needs to be able to motivate players, but a good coach also needs to uh, figure out the X and O's. Um, players in at, at you know the professional level, especially when it comes to playoff time, better be motivated when that puck drops. It it shouldn't rely too heavily on the coach to to motivate players. I don't think so. Um, I think the coach's job come playoff time is is more to do with strategy and tactical um, you know precision than than anything. And uh, you know, he just had two chances and, and really hasn't hasn't got it done. So I, I kind of look at it almost like baseball, like three strikes and you're out. So one more season. And if uh you know you limp in you know, you limp out of the playoffs again without really getting any damage done at all, I think that looks heavily on you. Um especially when especially when you have the you know the the weapons that we have on this team. I mean, we have the ultimate assassins in in Connor and Leon. Um, so, yeah, it it you you got to find a way to to win games and and win series, and save the excuses because I'm not interested in them anymore.
0: Yeah, we're out of excuses. There's no doubt about that. Um, as much as I hate to say it, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, the part about you know every GM generally getting two coaches. That's it, it's a pretty general hockey <clears throat> rule of thumb, hockey rule that uh, whether it comes to fruition here or not, I don't, I don't know. To be honest, I think the only way that happens is if we get swept out of the first round again, and then Holland's just left with no choice. Um, I do really think they've come at this as a two-person committee, and and I think they'll uh, live by their sword and die by their sword. I, I think it would be pretty pretty rich of Ken Holland to have made some of the decisions he's made. Um, you know, letting a guy like Caleb Jones and Ethan bear go tip it proved he, he couldn't fully trust and uh, you know, re-signing guys like Barry and, and then signing Keith and, and you know, getting those veteran type of players that, that Dave Tippett would rather coach. Right. So uh, whether that happens, uh, I don't know. Um you know, the the Smith thing, I, you know, I, I beat up on him more than you have. Uh, I would beat up on him for saying that he gets a lot of credit for uh, a fantastic, outrageously great, amazing, almost as in a season when I think he had an easy road there. What I will not take away from Mike Smith for a second is how he performed in the playoffs. He, he didn't cost us that series. There's not a chance that Mike Smith cost us that series. It wasn't even close to being about goaltending, other than Connor Hellebuck played better, and that's that's not because Mike Smith played played bad. Um, um, you know, I think the biggest, the biggest. Did you listen to Strudwick today? Did you hear on the end of the show when he had Peter on?
1: Um. I caught bits of strutty today, but a lot was going on in my day. It was a cool
0: interview. DeBoer said it one time, and it actually really cued me for tonight, because he said, um, uh, like, this is not verbatim, but but, um, I'll be 90% close. Um, You know, like, outside of communication, the most important skill for an NHL coach was to figure out ways to stay relevant. And, um, by staying relevant, it was by staying on top of trends and by doing your homework in the off season and figuring out that the way that the NHL is changing so that you can adapt so that you can adapt. And he went on to say that, you know, every coach in the NHL got in, you know, it started back in New Jersey. And then, you know, Lamorello and whoever else that went on and on and on and on with this, you know, trap hockey where, you know, the left wing lock and the one, three, one, and I played it. It's been back so long, you know, it's been around so long, but coaches also got really good at figuring out how to get past the trap. And what he said that the biggest trend he noticed in the last, Couple of years in the NHL is that uh, the way to defend against those traps, not well, uh, offend against those traps, and to find uh, ways to create opportunity was to to push four man rushes, and so you know you're you're rushing as a four man unit, and he said quote unquote that your 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 puck moving defenseman becomes a second center, and that really made me think like mm-hmm. hmm. you know, and he went on to quote guys like you know McCarr and Quinn Hughes and Eiskinen that are are you know. Norris contenders and some of the most important people to their team because of the way that they can transport a puck and because of their first pass and because of the way that they can move with McKinnon, Ranton and, and Landis Scog and the way that Nurse or Barry can move right. with McDavid, Dreisaitl and, and that unit, right? So the bright side of that is I think Tippett recognizes it. The downside to it is I'm not sure that he's catching up enough Maybe because, you know, you mentioned those two playoff um, years and I'd like to break that down a little bit, but but I want to kind of let you jump in and, and speak what I've said there or speak to what I've said there.
1: So I think what what really will help the Edmonton Oilers uh, going forward, and I, I hate to sound like <laughs> I'm really defending Dave Tippett, but um I think the additions that we got on forward are going to make a huge difference in that respect. Um, you know, often it would be the fallback move of putting uh, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl together, right? Uh, because you didn't have really enough wingers to, uh, to get the job done. So you put Leon and Connor together and great, you've got one line that's, that's strong. And then what happens after that is a lot of nothing sandwiches. So the, the addition of Hyman and Fogel and just kind of that depth through throughout the forwards, I think, is going to make a world of difference for the attack. Um, Nurse and Barry are going to be the same as they they've been, but I think there's just going to be, you know, almost like good teams come at you in waves. You know, it isn't just one line or two lines; it's it's three, and then the the fourth line yeah. pounds you in, into submission. And if you've got that, then then you've got the potential to go on a long run. Um, so you know, adding adding to the, adding to the forwards, I think is going to mean more than kind of a, a little bit of an overhaul on the defense. But no, I agree with you. I, I you know you remember uh, going back. I think I think it was like the Flyers and uh, the the Sabers or something in in one game, or maybe the New York Islanders, where uh, one team was back in the trap, and I think it was the the Flyers going to come out. And, and they didn't go anywhere. Like they almost trapped the trap, and it was the stupidest thing ever. It was about a forty-five second shift where the puck never came outside of the blue line because they saw like the whole team was back at the red line, so they just stayed back. <laughs> like like I don't want to get stuck like yeah. for thirty
0: seconds. Yeah. My coach I... doesn't want me to break the system if I transport this puck when I don't have pressure, I might be in trouble.
1: I, um... I don't. I don't want to get into that kind of hockey, but. Uh... Yeah, no, I, I I get what you're saying. Um, I, I'm reading some of this chat here, and and yeah, uh, I can
0: see them come up too. Most of them are chirping your facial hair by the most of it.
1: <laughs> I see one that says, uh, "What do they think of the bear? Tra- what do we think of the bear trade?" Um. Yeah, I think there's a lot to the Ethan Bear trade, and um, some of it we're probably never gonna we're never really gonna know. Um, I think part of that might be on the Edmonton Oilers, you know, and Dave Tippett. Uh I know that, you know, he really took it to bear hard after um, you know the turnover in that in that one Winnipeg game led to a goal and and uh you know was was not good. He sat him for what like two periods before he got him out there again. Um you know, uh, so definitely lost trust in the coach. Ethan had a hard year. I don't buy into this out of shape nonsense. I think that's a convenient ploy. Ethan worked with a personal trainer uh, last summer and was in really good shape coming into camp. So I, I don't put any stock into any of that kind of stuff. I think that's really honestly a convenient uh, bullshit excuse. Um, I know he, he had a tough go last season, had a concussion. It, It affected him for a while. Um, but I like Ethan Bear as a, as a person um, first and foremost, and uh, I liked him as a player. I thought he had a tough year last year, but the year before, him and Nurse were were a really good pair. And um, you know, I, I I think there's more than we're ever going to know in that situation, and and that's probably why it happened. People can blame whoever they want to blame. At the end of the day, he's yeah. a part of the he's a part of the Carolina Hurricanes, and Warren Fogle's a part of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I, I wish Ethan nothing but the best and it's the same, how I feel and how I felt about, uh, Caleb Jones when, when that went down. Um, I, it does sadden me to see like a trend towards, um, you know, lots of talk about draft and develop, draft and develop. And, and all of a sudden that, that theory goes kind of up in smoke. I mean, they're, they're two, both of those guys are defensemen, um, that, you know, were, we're later in the draft, and and turned out, you know, yeah, okay, they weren't, you know, your one A one B defenseman, um, but to to write them off, uh, that 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 sucks. I mean, and that's sometimes the the way it goes in the nature of the game. It's it's really gonna be a black eye though if those guys, you know, five six years down the line, have a really promising career. And we didn't get anything done with the acquisitions that we got in in their place. That that's when it'll, that's when it will suck. If in the next two years or say three, if if Keith sticks around, um, but in the next two years, if we go on a significant run, you know, third round or or Stanley Cup, I can live with it easily, you know. But.
0: Who knows? I can keep my answer pretty simple on that. I think Ethan Bear was my second favorite Oiler. Um, I'm heartbroken by it. At the end of the day, I think he he used character. I think he um, he handled a really tough situation in a very mature way. Uh, not only the benching, um, but also uh, also you know the 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 racist comments that came at him through social media and, and his right. response to that. And, uh, every time I heard him speak, I, I heard an intelligent human being. I heard, uh, a, a kid that clearly had been through a lot and persevered. And, uh, I can look at this trade two ways with my heart and I hate it. Or in terms of asset management as a hockey fan and Warren Fogel's is a hell of a player and he feels a hell of a need and we got him at a good dollar. And he's a lot of everything and exactly what the Edmonton Oilers need right now. And I don't think this is one of those trades like the Keith and Caleb one where you look at it in three years and smack your forehead. Um, I think you still look at it two to three years ago, man, I'm glad we got Fogle and good for Ethan for doing well in Carolina. I and mean, that's, that's all I got to say about that. I miss yeah. Ethan, but I think we're going to love one.
1: Yeah, the... <sighs> I mean, it's easy to pass judgment on the organization, but there might have been an ask from the player on this one because he did go through a hellish experience.
0: I, I um, believe that to be true, Duras. You know, I think the uh, the part you said about, you know, being out of shape, it, it was true in, in two out of the three previous seasons. It's on record, but that doesn't mean last year that's what happened. And he was injury-plagued last year. And there was rumors he was late coming into Edmonton this year and out of shape again. And, and I've... I've actually dug and I can't find anybody to prove that there's, there's some pretty unique language being used by some of the media, you know, when they talk about it and all I do is think it's a scapegoat for management. I I really do. I think it's a kiss ass fucking move, to be honest, because really at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's proven to be not that, um, I do think Ethan wanted out. I think it would have been really hard, but you know what, man, I, 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 I always think back to like, we went all the way to provincial finals when, when I was in midget and, uh, I took a double minor four-minute penalty for spearing with five minutes left in the game, and uh, we had a, a two-goal lead. And I was just trying to dig the puck out from the crease. The goalie was covering the puck. I could see puck, so I went for it. And I got a spearing penalty, and probably because I didn't shut my mouth the whole freaking series before that, and I'm sure I deserved that from the ref. And they scored two power play goals while I sat in the box, and they won in overtime. And I'll never forget that moment. How does Ethan Bear walk back into an NHL dressing room with, you know, his coach um, sitting there, you know, benching him in in one of the most important games that he's ever played in, Um, you know, putting a lot of pressure and, and blame that way. I think it's hard to face his coach. I think it's hard to face his teammates. And I wouldn't doubt for a second if he's secretly asked out. And if that's who we got in exchange and in, in a trade where we had to trade somebody, then then good on Holland. I think that's great. Well,
1: I don't, I don't, yeah, the, the Fogle thing almost makes me wonder if there wasn't like looking into that before, because, you know, we get him. He's not even played a game with us and, and we, uh, you know, resign him for, what, three years, I think it was. yeah. Um. So they must have had, you know, an eye on him and wanted that kind of uh, in in their system. And so I guess maybe Ethan sort of gave them an opportunity to pursue that fully. And I'm sort of, you know, in a sense, like this. This might be uh, controversial, but uh, when have we ever shied away from controversy? Um. I, I'm almost glad that the, it was Warren Fogle instead of Jake DeBrusque because, you know, yeah. the, you you go that route and I've got nothing against Jake, but the the fan base sure does any time, you know, the, the whole favoritism, the old boys club, well, all of that, you know, so I, I'm glad them. I'm glad they went after Fogle because he doesn't, you know, there, there's none of that with him. He's, you know. He's, it would have put Adam too,
0: Larson pressure on him, right? Because he'd have come into town already thinking, oh, frick, I'm here because my dad and yeah, Oh, they gave up a fan favorite. And, you know, it was the whole racist indigenous time in our world that I come in and fill these shoes. And like, it's this Fogel's yeah. too consistent, man. He's going to come in and just grind and drag guys along with him, including yeah. all of us fans, man. That guy drives a pickup truck. If you
1: haven't heard, <laughs> he's, character guy. he's a
0: character guy. Looking so, for ca- you know, character he's gonna, guys. You know, if he doesn't have testicles hanging from his uh, hitch on the back of it, I'd be surprised. Like that guy's is is what Albertans want, right? He's oh. he's gonna probably be the next coming of Ryan Smith if he can uh. get that type of career. He's that type of player. Edmonton's gonna love him. So that that's that's my thoughts on Ethan Bear. I, I you know I I I don't know. It still hurts a little, so it's tough to talk about. But like that, I'm still pissed about this type of conversation. To be honest.
1: The the one thing I'll I'll finish like the the last thing I'll say about Ethan Bear is, is it sort of saddened me in a sense because in this summer we've lost Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones and Jujar Kara. So that was kind of the a little bit of the diversity that was on this club. Yeah. Um and and I as an Oilers fan, I appreciated that. I love that. I mean Grand yeah, Fear me all, all the way all the way, you know, yeah. way back when. You know, so that was something you could be proud of. Yeah, that, that's something you could be proud of as as an Oiler fan, right? And and not to say that like that was the, you know, but we just lost a little bit of our, our diversity on our team. I mean, I have a nurse jersey for a reason because uh, I'm proud that he's an Edmonton Oiler. Um, yeah. yeah, for a lot of reasons, but that's part of it for sure.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt yeah. about it. Um, I'm gonna transition back a little bit. Um, I think this is a cool way to do it since we're uh, in the Mark Messier episode number 11 here. And uh, the moose comes from our, our uh, suburb of St. Albert. Um, I, I've got a, I got a text in here from um, Clyde Cumbers in St. Albert. And he says, uh, truthfully, I think Tippett relied too much on playing Connor and Leon together. And the rest of the lines became a self-made coaching issue when he put them together. I think Holland recognized that, and hence his push to get Hyman, as well as the speedy Fogo, to possibly slide up as well. That way, when Tip went Connor Leon, at least he has other lines capable of doing what he needs from them. You know, and I, I like that, and it, it, it's, it's, it, it really highlights for me how, how terrible I. Th- Think that Tippett is at line matching and line combinations. Uh, I think it's hurt us on several occasions. Um, Maybe let me just start by saying I I, I don't, I I don't, I don't dislike Dave Tippett. I certainly would never say I I hate him or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I think that's an awful strong word. But I, I've lost faith. I think maybe were the words that Mister Hebert used, and maybe I'll steal those because because I am. I've certainly got some doubt and and it comes from from the history right recently behind us right and so you know i talked about those goals that holland had about getting to the playoffs more consistently and great we made it back-to-back years how long has it been since we've done that um 89 90? yeah you know 30 32 years since we've had to go back-to-back playoffs that's that's fantastic so goal accomplished that said, we we were the fourth team in the Western Conference, man. Like we went up against the twelfth seed Chicago, who had the the youngest coach in the league. What's his name? Um, Colleton, Jeremy Colleton, <clears throat> and got out coached by by the youngest coach in the NHL. Um, his his failure to continue to go with the dry sidle new Yamamoto line that was the best line in hockey for the second half of that season and to put the the lines in a complete blender with anthony Sioux and and every, it made no sense like they you, you don't it's not a seven game series you have no time to develop chemistry I, I don't understand why he was so stubborn on going away from what he did um you know and that's that's 2020s playoffs. You get into this year's regular season and I, I hate how he didn't use Bouchard. I, I hate how he wouldn't trust Caleb Jones. Um, I hate when he forced Barry to play with Nurse instead of Bear to play with Nurse when it was so clearly obvious that Bear and Nurse were better together and their chemistry was better. I don't think Barry and Nurse ever really developed chemistry. They are chasing each other around like a tire fire for a, a lot of those shifts and Nurse has the tendency to run around a bit already and and Barry has the tendency to get caught up. so you know those two things start to happen <laughs> together and it's and it's not great. So you know then you take all of that he, how long did he go this season again without even trying Hopkins dry and and Yamo together and and Yamo never got going. So you know you carry that into our playoffs and and then he starts, cassian and and cuckoo in that first game which i thought was you know a little bit odd given we had some momentum and those guys hadn't played um i think our team went in overconfident maybe rightfully so we'd won seven games against the jets but it, it it took us two games to get slapped in the face and wake up and and then it took games three and four to be to be close but he was benching ryan mcleod the entire playoffs I didn't think McLeod deserved half of those benchings He's getting 10 minutes a game and less. And, you know, in that triple OT, it wasn't just McLeod and Bear. He'd, he'd benched Cuckoo. He'd benched Chase on that game. And then, Darnell Nurse played 65 minutes. Well, and then what happens? On a, on a tired play, Kyle Connor goes the other way, right? Like, I don't know. You, you said something that was, you know, really, really key earlier. What did you say? I wrote it down because I didn't want to lose it. Um, closest series in the history of hockey. Do you think coaching was the difference?
1: I, I kind of think in, in that, you know, you make one p- play, you you drop one play, it's the difference of a hockey game. You drop yeah. one play that works, and you've got the two best offensive players in hockey.
0: Never mind drop a, a play. What if, what if you call a time open game? You right,
1: r- right. Whatever, whatever ha- I, I I'm glad play. you said that. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about this for a long time. It's like Oilers Oiler coaches are I'm anti preach. timeout. We we've had what like eight years where guys, yeah, you know, when it's crunch time and y- you know you can just that's all that's really as a coach when the game's going on and things are happening. If you want to intervene in that game, to you call a timeout. That's all you have, or or, or you do the uh, Glenn Gulits and just start throwing water balls and sticks on the ice. I mean, that's another <laughs> option, but. That usually leads to a penalty. So, you know, call call a, call a fucking timeout. Like, yeah. And especially in or, games where, especially in games where you have a lead, or the other team is coming at you and they score three goals in five minutes, like you don't have a lot of options. Use your yeah. fucking timeout. You can't store them.
0: You yeah, can't use, you take them for next game.
1: Like you got you, you get know. one a game, and that's all you get. You can't stockpile them, so use them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and playing Koskinen in that one game, and like maybe he doesn't have choice, and I just a lot of his his lineup choices I I, I found really odd. So against, you know, I I think against, Paul Maurice is one of the best out there, and I think he he out coached him. I really do.
1: Against the Blackhawks, we got schooled in the faceoff dot. That's really what happened. How many pucks did the Blackhawks yeah. tip I tip on the, yeah. How many pucks did they tip on the way in that led to goals? Yeah. Like it yep. seemed like a it seemed like yeah. a million of them, but it was like two, it was one or two a game. So and figure out figure out a faceoff play. Like keep Nuge
0: forever. I love him, but he kept sending him out for those two. And I Nuge was bad in that Chicago series, and he, he couldn't win it. Like I, that was when the right-handed faceoff debate right. started. Right. Right. We finally got one. But. Yeah. But
1: yeah, how many lefties do we have that can take draws, and how many righties, and how long has that been an issue?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that's improved too. I so, said, you know, he's got more face-off help now. He doesn't have to send dry sidle out for every important draw. And now we've got that third line, right-handed center, wherever Ryan ends up sliding, slotting in, if it's fourth line, whatever, he can go still take those draws, jump back over the boards and have dry hop on or whatever they end up doing there. And right? I think that helps. Now we've got guys from the right and the left that can win face-offs. Um, you know, Fogel and Hyman are, are, are going to be those motors. They're going to be those possession guys. They're going to drive up possession numbers. They're going to drive up our ability to cycle. They're going to drive up our ability to uh, not just be a team that plays off the rush. We're, we're a successful team off the rush, and that's great, and we've been successful that way. You know, try to think of every one of Darnell Nurse's goals in your head right now. Was any of them not like some wicked slap shot or wrist shot post and in uh, straight off the pipe and in <laughs> where uh, – you know, he's coming in as the, the fourth man. That's what DeBoer made me think of. I'm like, yeah, man, like Nurse came in and would would off the pipe. So yeah. Yeah. I think Tippett's recognizing it and or he and Holland together are recognizing what those weaknesses are. You know, if you want to talk about those four-man units, like Barry, Keith, Bouchard, Nurse, Broberg, Holland's drafting that way, Bouchard, Broberg. Yeah. So, there's clearly a recognition recognize you know they're recognizing that this is a need and something that you know if that's what DeBoer has picked out as the biggest trend in hockey well then we have too um and maybe we do have one of the better puck moving units in the NHL and, and in our division certainly so you know like that's that's all sunshine and rainbows but you're um, you're not
1: you're not naming off a, a shutdown stay at home rock solid I defenseman. Was
0: just say. <laughs> you took it off the tip of my tongue, and that's what Montreal did. So yeah, man, you're singing to the choir for sure. I, I think that's what we're still missing. And we uh, did we get meaner and bigger? Eh, sure. I don't know. You know, like we'll, we'll
1: see. Yeah, Fogle might wake up Cassian too. That might yeah. uh, light a light a fire under him if he sees a guy that's uh, out there and smashing people and and putting pucks in the net, the guy can shoot the puck. I'm, I'm excited to, I'm excited for, to, to see him. I mean, uh, you know, the the bear trade is, is, is tough and it's tough to see guys go and character people um, that you like leave. But, uh, you know, as an Oiler fan, I mean, we're we're just a few days past the anniversary of Wayne getting dealt. So um, there's not much, I don't think that, you know, especially guys our age uh, that can't handle. I mean, we've seen it all, Um, you know, a little younger generation saw the, the, you know, crying Ryan um, Smitty Smitty getting dealt and uh, you know, and and how hard that was. And, and, you know, so um, I don't think there's really anything that we can, can't persevere through. Um, But, you know, each one's tough. It, it, it's, it's, it's a shitty part of the game that, you know, um, players are, are commodities really when it, when it really comes down to it, they're commodities and it's commodity exchange and, you know, thinking you're going to get a better price on that tomato versus that corn and all, and all that. that's really what it comes down to. And it's the sad part of the, of the game, but, uh, I appreciate the moments that you have with the, you know, the players that you love. And, uh, nobody can ever take away the great moments or the great memories that you have of whatever player is your, is your favorite, uh, you know, and, and cherish them and keep them forever and, uh, don't sell your Jersey when they get traded.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: There's his, yeah. there's his tips. <laughs> there's
0: steps for sure. Yeah. I'm seeing a couple more of the texts coming in. Uh, one of them was, uh, from our, our, uh, overkeeper, Mr. Hayberry. He said we we're, um, getting hits on, on every single, uh, platform, and, and there's lots of viewers, so we must be up to probably like 11 now, which which would be coincidental for the Mark Messier episode. Um, another one from uh, one of the viewers and listeners was uh, after our last episode, and it's uh, Stefan from Statler, in again... <clears throat> Uh, He said, I do look forward to you guys on your discussions on the others as well. Nurse is literally a top five D-man in the league, potentially a number one in the league for the rest of the contract, in my opinion. And here's something for a discussion for you guys at some point, if you're interested. Who's the next retired up in the rafters at Rogers Place? Is it Kevin Lowe? He says he's indifferent. You know, they might have still won cups without him. Ryan Smith? Stefan says no. Is it McDavid? Is it Dreisaitl? Is it Nugent Hopkins? Nugent has played 10 years so far. plays out the contract. That's 18 years. Nothing flashy, but averages 0.7 a game and and a player at uh, 0.5 any day. He's definitely not a defensive liability, and and he's a guy that does everything right. So um, he ends off with uh, what will it take for one of those four to join the boys from the glory days? And he's asking about, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nurse, or Nugent keep up the good work (sighs) over to you man that's a really interesting question i know i'm kind of popping this on you a little bit but you know we uh we tease that we talk hall of fame a little bit and that's that's the twist on this you know i think you know kevin lowe said that the only people that'll be hung in our our arena are hall of famers and that's who's up there right now so we can either speak to this in terms of uh should there be a, a a wall of honor you know, like our Elks football club has, or, or, uh, you know, is it always just going to be the the numbers and their afters and that'll only be hall of famers. So, you know, what do you, what do you think, man?
1: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> when it comes to like Smitty, I've got lots of time for him. I love the way he played. Um, I believe, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's tied with Glenn Anderson for most power play goals in Edmonton Oilers history. So I think that's a pretty impressive uh, little stat to be b- belonging. Is to. that true? I believe it is. Um, I believe the night against Vancouver, they kept putting him out there, kept putting him out there, so that he would uh, break that record. But he, but he never did, and uh, um, so. I, I don't think Smitty gets into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, I think he's borderline there just just kind of because of his international career, not his NHL career, um, by always saying yes to Team Canada, although I don't think his you know stats in the games played are, are legendary. Uh, but, I mean, Paul Henderson got into the Hockey Hall of Fame basically for a goal in the Summit Series. Um, you know, his NHL career was not, Uh, lights out by any means Um, so maybe there's a chance for Ryan to get in one day I I don't know I think the criteria is kind of changing and they don't look at guys that play in the NHL they don't really look that heavily into their international career where they used to uh, take that into more of an account I I just think that's kind of a a lost art now it's not only supposed to be the NHL you know hockey hall of fame it's a hockey hall of fame but um, so I don't know if Ryan ever gets in there so if that's criteria is going to hold Then I don't think Smitty's uh, 94 goes up in the rafters or Rogers although uh, I would be fine with that um, I think he dedicated you know uh, a long career to Edmonton and uh, if he had it his way it would have been from start to finish but uh, over uh, 250 grand or a skybox however you want to look at it I didn't tell you this but that's uh, <laughs> yeah. urban, le- urban legend why he uh, got dealt i um, and I don't think it's that much of a legend, but that's a story. <laughs> exactly. that, that's a that's a story for another day. Um, so, and you know, I think uh, Kevin was inducted uh, over the last what year? Last year um, into the Hall of Fame. So I think it's a matter of time before his jersey does go up in, in Rogers. But the, the I think the question with that is, I don't think he'll let it go up before. Uh, you know, he totally retires from the Oilers and that not, might not be before Connor and Leon are, are done. So uh, those two might go up together before Kevin's uh, number four goes <laughs> up. So I think, I, I think that's where I'm at with that. Um, in terms of a, a wall of honor, um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I've never, you know, you, you're hitting me with that out of the blue and I've never really took time to, to think about it. Cause I, I see the jerseys that are up there and I know the history of a lot of the other guys. So for me, that's enough. Do we need more? Maybe. I mean, Mike Greer's shoulder, uh, <laughs> could have a wall of honor, but <laughs> just, uh, just a
0: wall of honor for Rafi <laughs> Torres suspensions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I did have time to think about it, I guess. So, you know, you know, when it comes to low, sure. And I agree with you. I'm not sure he, uh, given the flack he's taken for our old boys and, and his comments on, on tier one and two fans and, you know, stuff about winning and it'd be for him to go and hang his own banner up, I think is, is probably a bad look in, in any stretch that is going to get some sort of polarizing um, feedback or, or, you know, so Smitty, I don't know. I, you know, he's captain Canada, um, but you don't get you don't get into the Hall of Fame for heart and soul and being able to take slap shots in the mouth. Uh, God love him, anyways. Um, you know, so then if it's going to be Hall of Fame, it comes down to um, you know. I think Connor's is it is it crazy to say Connor McDade with a lock for the Hall of Fame? I'm not sure. It's a stretch, to be honest. Um, I think a guy like Connor McDavid, uh, whether he wins a Stanley Cup or not, is a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think for Nuge to do it on an 18-year tenure, ah, that might be like at the top of the Wall of Honor with Smitty. Um, I'm not sure he's going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame unless he starts racking up trophies, and that's personal and team. Uh, Dreisaitl's got some personal trophies. So, you know, I think if Dreisaitl could get another Hart or another Pearson and uh, and a cup or two, uh, I think just what he's done for the game in Germany uh, might be the push to get him in.
1: Leon um, will be a Hall of Famer. There's no question. So,
0: so I think, you know, um, I, 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 I think Lowe might be the next one. And I think the organization would do it out of respect. So if they got to wait until the day that Kevin Lowe retires from the organization and then the next season they throw that up, I think they would do that out of respect for the history of Kevin Lowe. After that, we're probably in some sort of situation. I can see it in my dreams where they're hanging up Connor and and Leon at the same time, uh, like they did Henrik and and Daniel, uh, because we've chopped up two or three cups between now and the time they retire. 10, 15 years from now. So, um, that's the way I see it. I, I, I have no ill will versus Kevin Lowe. I think he's a douchebag sometimes, but I'm an idiot in a, in a lot of lifetimes. So, you know, we, we, nobody's perfect. And I think his hearts always been in the right place. And I think he, uh, has said some stupid things, but every single one of the times it's, it's come from a place of passion and come from a place of, um, of, you know, being an oiler forever and an oiler till he dies and you know at the end of the day why is Edmontonians are we going to rag on that
1: there's a on the chat there it says oh god remember those screams Greer would let out when his shoulder would pop out mid-game I, oh. I, I I'm pretty sure I was that one game where I think about four or five times he separated that thing <laughs> it was almost like Mel Gibson and lethal weapon just go to the go to the boards <laughs> go 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 to the boards and hammer the boards and pop it back in yep Yep.
0: Yeah, that thing popped like a jack in the box. I was uh seven roll when when Ethan him. Moreau fought. Uh geez, who was it? Who did he fight behind the net? he was a the captain then. Maybe I think it's called Jamal Mayers or something like that. And threw a, a punch with his right arm and I heard him. Oh <laughs> same thing. And he separated a shoulder and that throwing that punch. So yeah, painful thing. I've I've had a shoulder separation when I was in my twenties and, and it still bugs me to this day.
1: From way down south—that's what you call those punches.
0: That's right. That's right. So yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts on on hockey hall of fames and and uh, the next banner to go up. I appreciate Stefan for that um, suggestion because uh, as soon as I read it, I thought that's a really good idea. I think that'd be fun to kind of go go on because it's something I've thought about.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's kind of cool to uh, play the. When their career ends, where are they going to be? Kind of game because uh, C- Connor and Leon. I mean, the, the sky's the limit of what those guys can do. It's uh, you know, it's, it, I'll tell you one thing: if if getting both of those guys and, and kind of the other pieces that are that are around them uh, right now, if if they don't get this done, that that's a major, major, major letdown, and probably one of the like. I mean, there's a lot of disappointing things that have happened in professional sports, but if they can't get this done, you know, um, in their time in this game, especially in Edmonton, because I don't give a shit about any other team in the NHL, but um, that, I mean, that, I don't even know where to rank that. I mean, that's, 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 yeah. I mean, that's, that'll be a bigger travesty, I think, than, than trading Wayne. And that's a that's as big a statement I think as I can make.
0: Yeah, I just didn't think about that for a second and let that absorb and that, that's profound. You know, it like what there's that's the worst moment in either's no history. So yeah, saying yeah. that we can waste Connor and Leon's careers would be the, the new worst moment in either's no history, I, Right. I don't know if I I don't know if I can argue with you, man. So uh let's let's not go there and let's get this fucking thing. Yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, let's let's open that curtain and, and not look for those clouds because uh we gotta get at least one cup out of this. I'd I'd be shocked if we don't. Um players like this just don't have a career without it, you know. If it's if it's uh Ovechkin at year 14, then, then maybe yeah. that's Ovechkin at year fourteen. I guess maybe we gotta go get Barry Trotz, so that's the key, but maybe uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be shocked if those, it, it, it'd be a travesty to the game of hockey. If those two guys go without a Stanley cup to end their careers, that's, yeah. that's, that's a, that's a profound statement. Yeah, for sure. I like what you sent me today from uh, you and you and Jeannie Beanie going back and forth on, on Twitter <laughs> that you're, we're 1% of the people that she likes on Twitter. And uh, I actually like your podcast. You two bickered like a married couple <laughs> and it's great. Um. Well, Jeannie Beanie, I, I appreciate that. You love that you're listening, but Durst is not my type, okay? Um, firstly, I'm, I'm terrified of Kim. I don't know if you've seen those blue eyes, but she she might eat me alive. Um, and as adorable as those dimples are that he's flashing right now, he's uh, he's a Red Sox fan, <laughs> and, and that's just never going to work between me and him. I really see us more like Statler and Waldorf um, you know, like two old Muppets just arguing back and forth about stupid shit that doesn't make any sense. So I think, uh, I think I'm, I, I liken us more to that than, than, uh, being married, but whatever we sound like it's working.
1: Yeah. I, uh, thanks for listening, Gene. And, uh, yeah, as far as an old married couple, I, I won't tell anybody, this is our secret, but we're looking for the Shannon Sharp Skip Bayless uh kind of show here. And uh I'm not sure who's Shannon or who's Skip, but that's uh, that's how we roll.
0: <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty boring if we're just gonna agree on everything. And I don't uh if we're gonna be a a WWE analogy, I don't I don't mean mind being the heel while you're that uh, good looking face that, that breaks through the curtain with your, your manly stubble and your your stoic ways. I can go uh, fly off the handle and 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 go grab a Snickers every once in a while.
1: <laughs> I, my best attempt at the heel turn was, uh, you know, snapping at Slater Cuckoo for yeah. two years. <laughs> but but uh, I think people saw through that earlier. Yeah, tonight. the
0: fans still cheered. The fans still cheered. So, yeah, it is what it is.
1: So I think we've uh, rattled enough off the bar tonight. Um, any last words? And then I'll close with the old saying.
0: Yeah, man, we've, uh, we've probably pumped enough puck straight into the pillows for 60 minutes. I'd say um, good effort out there. I uh, yeah, love love chatting and and doing this with you. Uh, it's you know fun to be up on on Oilers Live and and part of the heavy hot we heavy hockey network full time. Uh, proud member. I know you are too. We talk about it a lot off the air. So uh, this is going to be fun moving forward. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, just just uh, just keep your heads up. I think we're going to be okay this year.
1: Yeah, looking forward to October and uh, see what uh, this team's all about. Um, so I guess uh, Sunday night, 9 o'clock, we'll uh, do it all over again. Uh, so keep your sticks on go the here. ice and keep reaching for the stars. Go Oilers, go. Let's go Oilers.